0: Hello, Tom.
1: Hello, Heron. Yes. It's been a while. It's been a couple of months shy of two years really? since we last spoke, no, yes. I figured, yeah, you'd probably have that all,
0: <laughs> all set up before.
1: Believe you. me, yes.
0: <laughs> well, it's good. I just leave that stuff up to you.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I get a page worth of notes, too. So.
0: Oh, great. <laughs> okay, well, then let's get
1: started. I remember how we used to do this thing. I remember yeah. how we used to do this thing. So. Yeah. When I last spoke with you... Obviously, we'll, we'll deal with the elephant in the room towards the end of the recording. I want to do a general catch-up first. Yeah. So, um, when I last spoke with you, you were working with a fellow from Hungary, I think, yeah. who had a block of land and was going to create a Gendo school. What's the yeah. update with regards to that?
0: Uh, well, he and I are we're still working together closely. Basically, there are now two Gendo monks. Mm-hmm. So, he... Uh, Just what's going to happen with all that stuff uh, is unclear. The land's still there. His parents own some property in there, and he's had to manage that property. And he's talked them into getting rid of that because he's tired of doing that, and he Mm. wants to spend all of his time doing Gendo stuff instead of, you know, working on maintaining property and shit. So interesting. So
1: the property's still there. Have you actually met the gentleman? Uh, Well, not face to face. No. Okay, because he was when we last spoke. You said he had business, I think, in Florida.
0: Yeah. Well, his parents or his mother has some property
1: there. Mm. So does he come to Florida over this period of time or?
0: No, no, he hasn't been here. Uh, okay. I mean, hes I guess he's been here, but it was, you know, a long time ago.
1: Right. And there's a second monk.
0: Yeah, him. I mean, he is. Oh, okay. So it's you and Tim. Yeah, he and I. Okay. He, is, he is as committed or obsessed or down the drain or whatever uh-huh. you want to call it as I am about language and all that stuff so
1: yeah and when we last spoke you you left i think left is probably a polite way of saying at the newspaper
0: (laughs) yes yeah it's been great Mm. it's been awesome i've been retired now for a couple of years and Mm. god i never understood how wonderful the freedom is Mm. well you know i thought i was doing pretty good because i only worked for the last 15 years i've only worked two days a week. I've worked a total of like 15 hours a week, you know, mm. and I thought I was free, but mm. I didn't realize, it took me like six months of not having to go to work that I realized how that, those two days of work, Tuesday and <laughs> Thursday, absolutely controlled my life. I couldn't just get in my car and go to Arizona for a week. Have you not know? in I, your
1: car and gone to Arizona for a week since?
0: No, but I can. <laughs> <Very good. laughs> And I don't have to think about like I can go I can stay up as late as I want anytime I want Uh, you Mm. know my sleeping thing is like completely free because before you know I'd have to well I got to work tomorrow you know you know there's just none of that my time is absolutely 100% mine it's Mm. and it took me probably six months or a year to actually realize that Mm. you know it's just wonderful God I love it.
1: And are you still in Garden Grove? Are you still in the same place? Yeah, same place. Gosh, gosh. So <laughs> really uh, in the past two years, okay. are you still in the same place? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It happens. It happens. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I don't know if I'm in the same. I, I, I would hesitate to say, I mean, physically, I'm in the same place,
0: the same house, the, the
1: same house. house. Yeah. And I still, I still work for the same employer. And I, although my role has changed. Probably it had changed last time we spoke, but yeah, I think certainly a lot of my thinking has changed quite dramatically since we last spoke. Oh, really? In fact, sure. it was I, I went back and listened to it because it was really at a transient period. As you may recall, what I refer to loosely as an alleged comedian decided that Noble Ape was going to be his name. When I last spoke to you, I hadn't been fully expunged from the internet. He then made a, a protracted effort. He got me off Wikipedia. He got me basically removed from Google search completely. That was actually, I mean, it was shocking at the time, but it's actually quite liberating not to have any of that stuff anymore. Yeah. To just be, you know, a private individual, so to speak. And I think certainly the satire of how it all fell apart in particular, as you well know, I did a lot of volunteer work for a number of different organisations. Historically, that's just the way I spent my time. Some of them I had some degree of ownership of and others I didn't. And the organisations that I really, that I did a lot of volunteer work for were just not present at all through this whole process. So I realised very quickly that a lot of the things that, not even things that I'd assumed, because I guess I always knew if the going was going to get tough these people and institutions weren't going to be around. (laughs) But to actually physically see it is, and I was thinking about this, actually, before coming on the call with you today. One of the more interesting wigs was that people who had a history of really heavily exploiting me missed the change. (laughs) So, for example, I had one character who was emailing me continuously about pictures that she wanted me to to give to Reed Hastings, because that's just what I do, right? So, and the emails became more abusive and more aggressive because I wasn't responding. And then out of the blue, this individual called me up, and I just said, I'm not friends with you. <laughs> what the hell are you even calling me for? Like, yeah. this is ridiculous. Like, in the past three years, I've had a whole lot of crap gone on. You haven't been there. Instead, you've been emailing what, what I could do for you. And to be perfectly clear for anyone listening in, I have no sway with Riyatsu. In fact, I, I institutionally cannot do anything with regards to getting content on the company I work for. I just ignore all of that. Usually I'm polite. And with this individual, I was polite. Initially, I told her uh, categorically, I cannot do this for you. Please stop emailing me this. Yeah. Uh, and it just continued on. But, yeah, the, the final situation, Biota, which I had put maybe 15 years into to kind of maintain, Bruce Damon decided he wasn't going to do Biota anymore. So that disappeared the end of last year. But yeah, I just feel relatively liberated that I can enjoy the pandemic like everyone else. Um, (laughs) Yes. So it is really fascinating because I've had a lot of feedback. I mean, I don't know if people still contact you about Stone Ape, but I've gotten a lot of feedback from previous listeners saying that Stone Ape was like the pandemic Bible for them. Really? And they've actually gone back and listened to it. And it's interesting because (laughs) the the kinds of apocalypses, the, the apocalypses we discussed in Stone Ape, yeah. Weren't exactly the same as this one. No, but
0: it, it certainly was in the same
1: sandbox. <laughs> Without question. And I think the, that, that mental space. So for example, our long time listener, Joe the drummer, who's yeah. based in London, right. uh, contacted me recently and, uh, he actually wants, he wanted me, I've, in my own, rec- I've now got three odd recordings I do, still doing model rail well radio, doing that once a week now because the, listeners are all, you know, in the COVID dangerous kind of category. So I just feel like it's a service I've got to continue to do. I have yeah. another podcast that I do called My Rules Are Better, which are, is about creating games, basically, mm-hmm. role-playing games, war games, games with miniatures, this kind of stuff, which has got certainly a dedicated audience. A few actual ex-donate folk have come over to that as well. And then I have Long Funk. And you, the reason we're recording, we should give this background to folks, Yeah, is you posted a Zoom call in yeah. short, Funk, yesterday. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that.
0: Oh, I, I,
1: I was doing a Zoom
0: event, and I just wanted to invite everybody, and I got out my list and started sending invitations, and that was one of them.
1: It was strange to me that you didn't post it in... The Stone ape Facebook group. You picked the Short Funk Facebook group instead.
0: Um. Well, you know, I just went through the list, and I just, yeah, you know, I probably didn't go far down the list. You know, <laughs> it, it's just uh, I went down the list, and and then actually Facebook stopped me. It only allowed me to do so many. And <laughs> You're abusively <laughs> spamming at this. So I, I did. I didn't get down to the S's. So. Very good.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, the SH's, but not the S T's. Yeah, yeah. So what was the nature of the Zoom call?
0: Oh, it's just, I've been doing, you know, more calls and stuff recently. It's just about my work with language and stuff. It's sort of beginning to solidify and people are beginning to, uh, you know, respond to it. And so it was just, uh, you know, to talk to people about the voice in their head.
1: Let me, let me be a, an agent provocateur here. Do you think it's a little bit too late for this conversation now? No, I don't think, I think it's just getting started. I guess. It could be getting started with regards to the people, you know, the the, the generation that is now, you know, actively burning down courthouses I, yeah, and things I'm like still, that. But.
0: Listen, I still think my work is two to five years ahead of, of you know, ahead of itself right now. But, it, but the thing is, it's beginning to catch on. I'm beginning to get responses from people when I say the voice in your head is not something you are doing. You know, I mean, that was just too weird for most people five years ago. Mm. Uh, but it's not quite so weird for them and more people are responding to it now and wanting to find out more about it. And I still think uh, it's a tiny percentage of people out there. It's still pretty weird, but not nearly as weird
1: as it was five years ago. Well, I think, you know, the Trump administration is your greatest advocate here, right? Well, it, you couldn't, you couldn't imagine a political
0: circumstances where. Well, it's certainly drawing the lines very <laughs> clear, you know. It's just becoming really obvious who's an unconscious language monkey and who's got some potential.
1: Yeah. But yeah. I guess I guess this is probably how one of the many strands that it ended Stone formally in the kind of weekly basis. My perspective is that the the notion of political hope isn't there. All that really is there now is kind of observational curiosity. Because we are so post Stonian in terms of the current situation, that it just strikes me that your stuff really should have been studied and learnt from six to ten years ago. Uh, Or a hundred years ago. Well, yes, exactly. (laughs) I mean, it it just feels, I mean, from my perspective, at least, it feels a little bit too, I mean, it's never too late. You're right. I shouldn't say that. But to be an agent provocateur here, people should have picked up this stuff
0: well, oh, yeah, wow, see, I'm not, I don't consider myself to be – I'm not interested in being an agent provocateur. Mm. The, the primary metaphor that I use is that Earth is going through a metamorphosis. Mm. And uh, the caterpillar falling apart is taking care of itself quite nicely. <laughs> uh, I don't really feel a need uh, to tear that down. You know, or but my sense is there are a growing number of people who are aware of the fact that the old order is collapsing, mm. and are interested in f- figuring out some strategy uh, for the future. And I'm interested in talking with those people. Do you think we're facing an extinction event currently? Well, yeah, we're we're in the seventh
1: mass extinction. It's clear. There's no doubt about that. I mean, I guess the extinction event nature of things, and this is something that I have. Talked about, I mean, Joe the drummer wants me to come out full, you know, extinction event, apocalypse rising kind of in my discussion. And I, I'm sympathetic to that yeah. because I think the current circumstances, in particular, the epidemiology of what's happening currently, indicates that none of the information sources that we have provided are accurate many of which no, I think nobody are- knows
0: anything this could very well wipe out 80 percent of human beings in yeah. the next
1: couple of years I mean it's not impossible well it's it's not that it's not impossible it's that it's for the first time in my lifetime it's very possible well but, i don't know if this if not this one then the next one you know well, I, mean- I think this one the mutation on this one in particular i, I work with people that are relatively wealthy and Relatively well indoctrinated with, you know, uh, American uberalis kind of perspectives. Yeah. <laughs> and my view with regards to this is the vaccine mythology is absolutely fascinating. I mean, the mythology associated, particularly when you look at a company like Moderna, which has just a history in collecting money to make vaccines that it never actually comes out with. And these are the hopes of of this class of the population that the vaccine. But what's fascinating through this is that this is a virus that mutates rapidly. Yeah, yeah. So the whole notion of herd immunity, which obviously you need for a vaccine, although they'd not say that explicitly, is not there with this thing.
0: Yeah. Well, the, the thing is, we're in uncharted. We don't know. I mean, that's really all I can say is that I don't know what the future holds. It, hmm. I mean, again, I it wouldn't surprise me to see eighty percent of humans dead in the hmm. next ten years or so. It's entirely possible. Potentially five even. Yeah. Well or yeah, or next week. Yeah. You know, well, I mean yeah. you know, I mean we just don't you know and that that doesn't even talk about climate change and the sea level rise and the yes. you know, and the major cities of the world
1: coming underwater. But I think and, the nature the nature of the current pandemic and in particular the fact that the language monkey governance of this this is something that I talked to some people about recently. The idea that the people that are hyper politicized, uh you know, the Herman Keynes of this world are probably the ones that are going to potentially die first through this pandemic. (laughs) So particularly, you know, when you look at things like voting, although, you know, mail ballots, what have you, but going to rallies, voting, these kind of things are sources of of strong contagion. And it's actually interesting to perceive, if you say there's going to be 80% of the population that's wiped out, it's going to be a very curious 80% of the population. Now, unfortunately... I live in an area where the infection rate is far higher than other areas in in the greater San Francisco Bay Area, primarily because they're, you know, working schlubs that are in jobs that require them to go into work and, you know, social distancing and all this other kind of stuff isn't working for them. So without yeah. question, the 80% in large part is going to come from the usual you know, parts of the population which I just think is genocide in these circumstances. But the interesting thing about this is where the other parts come from through this. What other we what mean other parts? Well, are the other parts of the eighty percent, whether the Herman Keynes as well, what happens is you have obviously, you know, substantial uh substantial death in the you know, working schlubs, unfortunately. But within that as well, you have people that are uh I don't know, language monkey driven, for want of a better term. Yeah. Um, into circumstances. And a lot of old,
0: well. already sick people yeah. too. I mean, Without that has question. a lot to
1: do with it. Yeah. 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 So interesting times, interesting times. And yeah. you, you're not tying, are you tying your Zoom calls to the current situation or are you just oh, no, realizing no, that it's, Zoom no, it's is just a
0: continuation of what I've been doing all along? Okay.
1: okay. Interesting. And in terms of your, Your hobbies and general interests, are you still having dogs around you? Cherry tomatoes, these kinds of things?
0: No, no more dogs here. The dogs have all gone, but uh, I do have possums, squirrels, and crows.
1: Well, the crows (laughs) always kept you company.
0: Yeah. But now there's uh, squirrels and I have a possum that comes every night Mm. around, you know, because I I take the crow food, I bring it in the house (laughs) and leave the door open and this possum. It only it's only started a couple of days mm. ago. Has uh, started showing up regularly about one o'clock in the morning for his midnight snack. Mm.
1: <laughs> and, <laughs> Does he come in the house? Yeah, wonderful. Well,
0: it's funny because uh, well apparently they're blind and deaf. Mm. <laughs> you know because I turn on his bright light. I, mm. Well, I, there's some videos on my Facebook page of of the possum. Yes, in the house. And, I mean, it's dark. I hear him, you know, it wakes me up because I hear him munching on the food.
1: Yes, they're not quiet, are they? No,
0: they're not. And so I turn this bright light on him, and he doesn't even seem to notice. He just keeps
1: munching on. The food is far more important than anything.
0: Yeah, Yeah. and so I get my phone out and
1: take a short (laughs) video, and when he's full, he leaves. Yes. Uh, Yeah. The first thing that started with this thing was that we had two feral cats. One of them has disappeared. The other one... Is moved in a hundred percent, but in the pro- as you say, <laughs> in the process of feeding the feral cat, we uh, our camera system that we had because we'd occasionally leave the house is obviously useless now. So we've started putting them out in the garden to capture, as you say, this wildlife documentary that exists. Now we always had yeah. skunks, but uh-huh. for yeah. the first time ever, we have a, a large raccoon that comes oh. in wow. and is absolutely fascinating. I mean, they have movable thumbs. So they're just a different kind of critter. Oh, yeah, they sure
0: are. Well, you got, know possums yeah. have uh, an opposable
1: toe. Yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> possums, we've, we've had possums before, and they vary in, like, some of them are just like bald rats, and others of them are, have proper fur. And I yeah. think because of the area that we live in, there are kind of trash possums, and then there are wild possums. And <laughs> we have skunk population as well, and the feral cats... Very, but we have this one feral cat that's now basically ours. In fact, just before recording my life and I went outside and spent some quality time kind of stroking it and talking to it. So yeah. Well, it's good to know that you're not
0: quite the right word for that cat anymore. True.
1: (laughs) Very, very true. In fact, we speculate about where, from where she came from. She has a personality, which means that she'll never get pregnant. She hates absolutely every other cat and fights them viciously. So we're thankful that she has that in her personality, because it would be impossible to take her. Well, it'd be—it's on the fringe as a possibility to take her to a vet. Currently, we tried putting her in a cage; it didn't work out particularly pleasantly. <laughs>
0: yes. But
1: yes, it is interesting these uh, these new viral animals that we have.
0: Well, I was really surprised. To su- I didn't know we—I didn't even know we had squirrels around here. Mm. That, that surprised me when I looked out and saw a squirrel on mm. my porch. I mean, I've been here ten years, and i have never seen one before. Yeah. yeah. And now there's a squirrel and a possum. I,
1: I, I, and this is all in the last month. You know? yeah, the The area that you live, I think, probably would be able to support squirrels and possums. I mean, it's not you're well, not obviously down- it does. Yeah, you're not downtown <laughs> L.A. You've got yeah. you've got sufficient green spaces and yeah you know good tracts of uh what's the what's the grocery store that you shop at. Well, um, the Ralphs. It's the Ralphs, that's about the one two thinking. miles away. Yeah, the Ralphs, you know, so there's a good supply of, you know, edible trash in the vicinity. So, yeah. yeah. No, it's interesting. Well, it and didn't... there's a lot
0: of dog food and cans yeah. oh, that's left outside. Of course. You know? yes. And
1: I'm sure that's how, I mean, they must, to a large extent, <laughs> support themselves off pet food. Well, that's how, yes, that's how our critters do it. Um, in fact, it was interesting early on. My wife was really scared of the raccoon. Because the raccoon is probably four times the size of a cat. Oh yeah, they they can get big. <laughs> it's a really big critter. And it's the kind of thing where she was just concerned that this, he'd do, um, you know, pull ups and things on our wire to, you know, get food. If you put the food up, he would do pull ups up our, you know, <laughs> wire, uh,
0: Yeah, they're brilliant. Yeah. They're
1: wonderful animals. You they're know. very smart. They're very smart indeed. Now I was really pleased when we got a raccoon because I thought yeah. this. The one critter, And the skunks, we've got a family of skunks, we have teenage skunks. I mean, they're pretty adorable too, but the raccoon kind of moved it up a notch. And what's yeah. interesting is seeing the interaction. So, for example, the possum and the cat will see each other off. The raccoon has no natural predators. The cat won't stick around when the raccoon's around. Uh, and the skunks actually keep to themselves as well. The cat and the skunk have had some interesting interactions. And the skunk kind of fake sprays, which is interesting you know, kind of warns the cat. Uh-huh. I have the power here in this dynamic. But yeah. The cat and the cat gets it. The cat gets it. I think yeah, we, the nature yeah. <laughs> she the nature of aggression, animal interanimal aggression. And I'm sure they probably smell anyway, irrespective of whether or not they've sprayed, uh, yeah. I'm sure they have yeah. a, a scent around them. Interesting. Yeah. Well for a cat especially maybe we don't get it. Mm. Mm. So did you ever have your back surgery? You were talking about your back surgery.
0: No. Um it's not nearly bad enough for that mm. uh it's, it's it, it has progressed it's not as it's worse than it was but it mm. uh, you know i can li- you know i can live with this uh, if it gets really bad well you know i just i just haven't pursued it you mm. know uh when if the time comes i will seriously consider surgery mm. but the surgery has other side effects i mean like the, one of the things is to fuse the spine yes. you know, and that would seriously limit my flexibility yeah that would might have, you know, so I don't know. I, I, I can live with what I got. Actually, it's not that big a deal.
1: Hmm. And do the local dispensaries deliver or are you, have you dropped off? What marijuana? Vitamin M or are you getting it yeah. delivered? Or No, I don't even smoke it anymore. I quit wow. about
0: a year and a half ago. Wow.
1: Interesting. Interesting.
0: Yeah. I smoked it just about every day
1: for the last 45 years. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes during <laughs> podcast recordings as well. Somewhat comically. But, yeah. yeah it was
0: a little weird for a, for a for a while for a month or so,
1: mm. you know, but now i i don 't even think about it. Was there any particular reason that you stopped?
0: well, because it was basically just sort of a stupid habit i mean i didn 't mm. really get anything out of it anymore mm. you know i mean i 'd smoke it and I mean before marijuana really had profound impact on my thought process you know, that was why I did it, yeah. it was It really generated new ideas and all sorts of stuff. It was great. But really, for the last ten years, uh, it really hasn't done much of anything you well know? it's
1: a different kind, it's a different substance that it was
0: yeah I mean, oh, of course, it's changed
1: yeah to, it's yeah, now uh, a commercial substance, which all the stuff that you enjoyed previously you know takes fourteen sixteen weeks to grow, so no schmuck in this country is going to be spending sixteen weeks and even when legal, curiously enough, because they're all just treating it as a cash crop so yeah, it's interesting the fact that folks such as yourself. That market just completely left you behind.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: it's been that way. It's been this way for ten years, though. Well, it's it's been in terms of the actual biology of the plant, probably about twenty years. In terms of, but you were able still to find sources, which. It's interesting. Oh, yeah, I could, yeah,
0: you, yeah. You could still buy it, but yeah. like I say, it just didn't do anything. You yeah. know, what I mean, it just. But it didn't. get didn't stop me from buying it <laughs> no. and smoking it.
1: <laughs> I've been to a couple of Grateful Dead shows. Not Grateful Dead anymore, but it's like they take two thirds of the Grateful Dead members and throw in some kids. Yeah, they call it the Dead and Company and what have you. And you could tell the mountain weed that's come down. That obviously, you know, they just maintain a couple of plants. They grow it out for the season gets full sixteen weeks and they bring it down and smoke it at Grateful Dead shows. You can still smell it in the air periodically, but none of the stuff that's grown in the dispensaries is anything like that. Yeah. And yeah, it's all very curious. All very curious.
0: Well, I don't miss it. So mm. you know I'd mean, <laughs> done my fair share of drugs in my life. Yes. I think I got what I, what you can learn out of that pretty fair much. much yeah.
1: yeah, it was interesting. I remember Someone pointed out to me. I think it was one of my, my wife pointed out to me via one of the quilting friends that the fact that I'd spent time with you and you'd still smoked weed just indicated that you were some aged degenerate. And I always thought that was very funny. <laughs> well, was like, probably I was. Yeah. <laughs> so now you've lost that aged
0: degenerate. You've become infinitely
1: more respectable now. Yes, now. I'm
0: just eight. I'm just old now. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> very good, very good. So in terms of, I mean, I guess you're self quarantining and you're doing.
0: A bunch it just of things, hasn't, or, it hasn't changed my life one bit. I'm, yeah. I've been a hermit forever for 30 years. Yeah. You know, and basically I'm just home alone with my computer and the internet mm-hmm. and I go out to the market uh, once a week or so and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, put gas in the car once a month. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and the rest of the time I'm home. I mean, the, the whole world is available to me through the internet. I, I don't need, I mean, I used to go to meetups and stuff mm-hmm. quite a bit. But all the meetups now are in Zoom. So actually I've been more active since all the meetups have moved on to Zoom than, mm-hmm. I, than I was uh, before this. So actually my social life has expanded
1: <laughs> since, since uh, the quarantine. Interesting. So how broad are you doing meetups now? What areas are you doing meetups in? Well, the thing I'm most, well,
0: there's several, there's one called the Socratic, um, meet and Socratic speed dating. Mm. Wow. <laughs> which, which is really quite interesting. All they do, they just bunch of people come together, mm. but it's people with philosophical bents. So they get paired up with somebody mm. and you have discussions. And it's
1: not so, men, women. I mean,
0: it's the, the no, dating no, part joke, They're right? quite clear. This is right. completely platonic. It's about people who want to meet other people who are interested in philosophical thinking. You know, yeah, interesting. And uh, so... Actually I've begun to attract uh the thing is my stuff is beginning to take uh take get some traction. Mm. Mm-hmm. I've I've learned to talk about it better. The world is beginning to catch up and uh and the stuff I'm talking about responds to people. And then also I've moved are you familiar with abundance digital? No, you know, I'm not. No. You know who Peter Diamandis is? No, no I don't. Oh, okay, well, he's the guy that started the X Prize stuff. Oh, okay, 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 okay. He and Elon Musk mm. and, um, who's the other guy? There's the, 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 another one. Teal? No? No, shit. Well, whatever. Anyway. Anyway, there's another guy. Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> the other guy. Ray Kurzweil. Oh, okay, him, yeah. Okay, the three Ray of Kay. them basically uh, have created this platform called Abundance Digital. Mm. And, uh, it's extremely expensive to become a member. They've only got 1,600 members. Mm-hmm. But I wrote them a letter and explained what I was doing and gave them a couple links to stuff, and they gave me a scholarship.
1: <laughs> so, Congratulations. So now,
0: yeah, it was quite pleasant to, to get that. So I've been doing some broadcasting on their network. Interesting. And uh it's slow right now. Again, mm. the stuff I'm talking about is still, like I said, I, I think I'm still ahead of the curve here. But, you know, a few people there have expressed a lot of interest in what
1: I'm doing. I, again, I mean, I'll say it again, and I'm not being comedic. I think the Trump administration is actually, I mean, if you look at all the analysis and the comedic analysis in particular, the notion <laughs> of like everything that you've said for the past, you know, two decades is being distilled in – Public yeah. commentary. And- well, time
0: is speeding up, really. I, yeah, <laughs> I think yeah, Trump is has been great. I mean, it's all coming faster. You know, I, I keep when I first started this stuff, I was talking about you know the United States would be gone in fifty years. Yes. And then it was like thirty years. Yes. And then it was like twenty. And now I'm yeah. thinking shit next week. You know, any Potentially moment. Potentially so. Yes. Yeah you know uh, put on the kettle and it'll all be honest. yeah well there there's no uh, there's no room for compromise anymore there's yeah. a bunch of brain damaged language monkeys in the middle of the country mm. and then the two coasts uh, and i wouldn't be surprised to see the united states split up uh, mm. you know certainly within a decade and maybe mm. considerably less time you know mm. there, there's just no more room for compromise these the, the trumpers uh, you know they're fucking insane we differ slightly
1: here, but I think both political... Well, oh, the whole system is fucked is, up. Yeah, is no. very, very yeah. strange. Um, historically, we would talk about leaving the U.S., and this is still something that oh, yeah. I think about quite a bit. I mean, it's still not... It, there are a few things in the way for me leaving the U.S. currently, but if those things... Well, the
0: U.S. may leave us. Well, you may not have to worry about it.
1: (laughs) But that's the antithesis of leaving the U.S., really, isn't it? (laughs) Uh, That's exactly the reason you get out as opposed to the reason that you stay. But it's, it's, you seem more dedicated to the fact that your, you know, your life is, is where it is currently. I mean, you don't foresee yourself moving to a piece of land in, Oh, I, I, anytime, I don't. So. I, I'll. I have certainly no commitment to America.
0: I don't give a mm-hmm. shit about America. I'm here. It works for now. If if it becomes advantageous to move somewhere else, I'll move.
1: Yeah.
0: You know. Uh, but right now, everything works here. Okay. I mean, yeah. Again, most people I I know are all over the world. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't make any difference. Mm-hmm. Northern Europe wouldn't be a bad place to go. Uh, Hong Kong, well, Hong Kong was an option. <laughs> that's
1: beginning to look a little no more. Hilarious. Yeah, my father spent six years in Hong Kong. Yeah. And he, my mother, stupidly, I, I instituted Christmas with my parents together this year in Australia, which really, every aspect of this thing was just a powder keg waiting to happen. <laughs> anyway, my mother decided to talk about Hong Kong without even really thinking about my father, but that's just the nature of these things. And my father just did absolutely perfect pitch stuff that he's well known for, which always requires apologies after the fact. But (laughs) my view is, yeah, look, my father put a lot of time and a lot of energy in the potential for Hong Kong and thankfully got out just in time, but feels really, really strongly that this was, you know, I mean, like Beirut 30 years ago, right? This was a epicenter of a variety of different things that has now been completely and utterly fucked up. Yeah.
0: Oh, so he thinks Hong Kong is going to turn into a, a war zone. and It already is, place. from his perspective. Well, yeah. everything You've got yeah, to understand, well, yeah.
1: Hong Kong yeah. in peace, and Hong Kong as it is currently, are uh, not even returnable. In fact, it's interesting, our, our listener, Paul Brian Hancock, still lives in Hong Kong, uh-huh. and I p- periodically pinged him. I mean, to say he still lives in Hong Kong, it's not. I mean, he's got a house in Hong Kong, but technically he spends most of his time traveling usually the uk and canada i don't know why he hasn't been to california yet but he hasn't he's an interesting case but in my father's case everything he loved about hong kong doesn't isn't there anymore really and um moreover the things that he really found very appealing about hong kong are not going to be returning so 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 hong kong is over i can Mm. just cross that one off my list (laughs) i've been Seeding the idea of living on a canal boat somewhere in England to my wife. Yeah. and I Well, think- that's another option is, a, is a, <laughs> a a group of people on large vessels, yes, yes. you know, with a, you know, a like a hundred people or a so. A series of small vessels, but in an yeah. area, yeah. And yeah. The, the canal boat phenomena is something that I've been tracking and increasingly is, you know, young professionals rather than buying, you know, land in London – buying these boats that they can actually move oh, around. Yeah, just get them sail off when the time comes. Yes, yeah. yeah. So I've been watching, I mean, a lot of my YouTube viewing now is in the UK. Our listener and my longtime friend, Bob Mottram, recommended a fellow called John Rogers to me. And he he probably has some stony elements. In fact, I've got to pass this audio to him and see if he has any interest. His yeah. big thing is when we move through spaces, primarily when we walk through spaces, we leave a kind of psycho history, a cognitive history in the spaces that, we, so, you know, if you walk along a wall, for example, as a child and you go back, it's the nature, it's called psychogeography and it varies from kind of the occult to quite straight-laced. But from my perspective, it's fascinating because it's basically what I've been doing in simulation for the past 25 odd years, distilled in something which is considerably more open. His primary benefactor is the comedian Russell Brand? Oh yeah. So you know, and Russell Brand, while he says you know, twenty percent of the shit he says is outlandish, eighty percent of the shit he says is actually quite interesting. So yeah,
0: I like I like him a lot. I've, I've listened <laughs> to a lot of things. Yeah, he's some
1: bullshit and nonsense. He's but, an instigator, like, like, right? He knows what he's doing. So so yeah, he's an interesting he's an interesting fellow. And I cut him a, a chunk of change each month for his YouTube channel, which gives me occasional emailing access. Yeah. Let me
0: suggest another, uh, channel on YouTube if you don't know mm-hmm. about it called the, uh, soft
1: white underbelly. Oh my goodness. You're familiar with it? I, I give the money too. Yeah. Oh, no. I'm
0: just blown away by the stuff that
1: guy publishes. <laughs> it and it his is interviews so,
0: yeah. Well, especially because he, he hardly talks at all. You know, it's just these people and, and getting to hear the, the voices that nobody ever hears. Mm. You know, I love that guy. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, but, definitely. No, he's, he's somebody. He's on my regular viewing and also Patreon list as well. I, yeah, I give him a yeah. bit of money too because I think it, well, the stuff that he does, that whole thing, be it in L.A. or San Francisco. In San well, Francisco most of it's in L.A. now. Well, okay. Yeah, I think it's about yeah. 25 75 yeah. But in San Francisco, the sterilization of San Francisco has been a long-term project, and it's something that my wife and I periodically talk about when we occasionally go up to San Francisco. We haven't been in recent times, obviously. But every time when my wife used to go there in the early nineties, the homeless population was substantial and actually incredibly organic and just part of San Francisco. Yeah. And they've progressively worked. So the people that he is interviewing are the last remnants of this culture as it's progressively being sterilized. Yeah. At least in San Francisco, in LA, you know, obviously it's, it's very different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, as you well know, I have, you know, pimps and what have you in my neighborhood. And to hear from them in this kind of format, I oh, think yeah. is actually really fascinating.
0: Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. I love that
1: stuff. Yeah. Have you heard the one with those inbred guys in mm, the Ozark? Oh my goodness. <laughs> now that is hard to watch. That is hard to watch. But I think a lot of his stuff is actually quite hard to watch because well, it makes yeah, you, yeah. It should be. Yeah, yeah, it,
0: especially all of them. I mean, so many of them. When you hear about, I mean, he always starts off about their childhood. Yeah, you know. And when you hear the childhoods that these people have survived, you know, yeah. you, you sort of figure they're doing pretty good considering yeah. the, the way they got started off. You yeah. Know? Yeah, it's uh, oh, it's just amazing stuff. I uh, yeah. Well, I post a lot of that stuff to my Facebook page. And the more I, I've really begun to enjoy. I'm beginning to see my Facebook uh timeline as my book.
1: Hmm.
0: You know, it it's it's I, there's so much stuff I've posted there. It's so interesting that I don't know why anybody would want to watch TV. They could just go to my Facebook page and just <laughs> go back and look at all the weird shit that that's been posted
1: there, yes. you know?
0: It's just so much interesting stuff. It's just Yeah. Yeah, if
1: it weren't for Model Rail Radio, I don't think I would be on Facebook anymore. I think it's changed in a way where historically I would use it to to see photos of my peers (laughs) and things, you know, like it was the photo stream. Instagram's not really that, but it now has become something that is just so curious and a satire of itself. And probably only 5% of the people that I originally went on Facebook for continue to post there. I post garden photos, anything associated with model rail radio, but really if it weren't for the community and really only model rail radio, I, don't think I would be on Facebook. Yeah. Um, well, I go there to post, to put yeah. my stuff in the world.
0: I've got, you know, my 5,000 followers now. Yeah. And uh I'd say probably 150 of them or so are like in my club yeah. sort, of, you know. And the rest I don't even know who they are. They're just there. <laughs> but uh yes. again, I to me it's just a place to to put stuff, yeah. you know. And for that small percentage of the total who really enjoy it and feedback to me and talk to me about it uh, is, is really good you know mm. i get a lot, a lot of a lot of good feedback and and i'm putting ideas
1: out into the world that are influencing people so it's mm. perfect for me yeah it's interesting of the stone egg participants or the i guess the folks that would email in questions there with the two in missouri who you probably have more contact with than i did i think both of them are now I'm pretty sure off Facebook. I have dropped off, uh, yeah, almost all the regulars. Julie Fields is someone I still keep in contact with, but only because she was based in Victorville or that area, um, and she was one of our more interesting listeners. Obviously, Connor Bone. Connor Bone was here just before the pandemic and helped me move down my attic, and, and thanks to him, I sent him three large packages, and he's been doing live streaming on YouTube uh, recently. So he's someone I've kept in contact with. I've recorded podcasts with him. And I'm trying to think who else. I mean, obviously, Paul Brian Hancock to a lesser extent, but a majority of the folk were really more your devotees. And I think they pretty well, you know, stuck with you after the podcast uh, ended. I don't know where my, you know,
0: followers or whatever the hell you want to call them. Uh, came from, you yeah. know, I, I know a lot of them came from that, obviously, because mm. that was ongoing for a long time. A lot of people heard about me, you know, heard me mm. ramble on about shit, you know, so. Yeah. But, you know, when they show up on Facebook, I, I don't usually, like I say, unless I get in, you know, they, they really engage me, mm. they're, you know, they're just there and there are a lot of names I recognize, but I don't recall any conversations or anything mm. with. And you know, like I say, a lot of people follow me, but uh, you know, like I say maybe a hundred or hundred and fifty, and it's probably only like twenty or thirty mm. that that are you know that whose names I know and go. Yes, we've had conversations and we've talked about this or that. Mm.
1: So yeah, okay, you know, Chris Abbott, you had conversations with, and he and I, he's part of actually. I I do a virtual game of um, my rules uh, system. We do that every other Saturday morning, and he's part of that. Sam Shaver's another one who, um, yeah, I just keep in contact with. He was on and off uh, Facebook for a while. But, yeah. yeah, it's difficult, really, to maintain these kind of connections over long periods of time. I mean, I, you know, periodically, like Joe the drummer, for example, Joe just emailed me out of the blue a couple of weeks ago.
0: Um, he's still on Facebook. He, he, uh, he doesn't, he and I, we've talked a couple times, but I I don't think he's on he's, Facebook at all. He's on Twitter, oh, right? No, he's, well, I don't, he may Joe be on drummer. that too, but no, no, I see his responses to my posts. On, on Facebook? Are you sure yeah. it's the same guy? Yeah. Okay. Joe the drummer from England.
1: Okay. Is he on Facebook? I thought he was on, I thought, uh,
0: well, he, he may is, be on more than one platform. Okay.
1: I thought he was intentionally not on Facebook, but maybe, maybe that changed. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, either that or I'm hallucinating again. Very, Very good. good. <laughs> or he just doesn't communicate with me on Facebook. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, no, I, I guess I'm friends with him on Instagram and, yeah, a few other platforms, but yeah. Anyway, Heron, I think this has been a, a bit of a kind of two year wrap up. Is there anything, anything left to say on your side? Mr. Oh, uh,
0: well, uh, yeah, I'll tell you one thing. My my story has been simplified somewhat Mm. uh, since we talked last, and and what I'm really pushing these days is uh, breaking – basically, I'm saying breaking the identification with the voice in the head, Mm. really getting that the voice in your head is not something you are doing. It's something happening to you. I mean, I've said this before. Uh, It's nothing new, but I've really focused on that. That the fundamental thing I'm pushing for is for people, again, to break the identification with the voice in their head, Mm. to to not identify with that thing anymore is that this is something I am doing rather than this is, this is what my language machine is feeding it. And maybe I should question it.
1: (laughs) And the five stupidities
0: for more advanced. Well, that's if once you get, I mean, again, the five stupidities just by itself is, well, it's nice. It can be helpful, but. If you're still identified with the voice in your head, then it doesn't make much difference. The issue is once if you can break the identification, if you can really have, like I say, there's one, there's a difference between understanding a concept and getting it. Mm. Okay, if you really get it that the voice in your head is something happening to you, then the five stupidities become very yeah.
1: useful. Very yes, yes.
0: But yes. if you if you haven't gotten that, if that's just an idea, oh yeah, the voice in my head isn't me. I got yeah. Uh, it, you know, then, it, if, if you're not listening critically to that thing and questioning it, then then the five knowing the five stupidities
1: is irrelevant. Yeah, I, I guess if anything has changed since we last spoke, it's the notion that I have less sense that anything that I will do in a direct way could have a productive impact. I mean, certainly, what I've seen in the past couple of years, particularly the expunging stuff, is that things that had been historically constants that I'd put work into. Don't seem to be that way anymore. I think as a culture, we're moving towards a kind of intellectual singularity point, for want of a better term, which could be an extinction event. It could be the two things aren't mutually exclusive. No. And I guess what I return to is that there are certain things that I've done that have just made people's lives better in certain ways. Model Rail Radio is an example of that. For a group of men, predominantly, this has been something of joy that I've been able to bring through. Aspects of, you know, my eccentric <laughs> proclivities. Um, and I think that is probably enough in, you know, in any sense. So all the simulation, all this kind of stuff, while it's very interesting to, you know, study epidemiology with the kind of simulation stuff that I've done and, you know, folks like Bob Mottram, increasingly I just feel more as an observer, uh, to this thing than in any way an instigator. And that I'm actually comfortable with. Yeah. Um, but in the long term, I would really caution people currently uh, to not just uh, see the voice in their head but acknowledge that the voice in other people's heads um, is also leading people in a variety of different directions, which are probably against any general notion of safety
0: well, but uh, that's exactly the point you, yes.
1: once you realize it in yourself
0: as again yes like I say understanding that every, everybody sort of gets the idea. Mm. But it's a big world of difference between understanding the concept and being faced with the reality mm. of that. Well, and, I think- I, and most people aren't ready for that. Like I say, uh, out of the thousands of people that I've influenced, there probably aren't more than 10 or 15 that have actually got that.
1: If ever there was a time to be ready for it, I think now is the time.
0: Oh, I expect so- – yeah. Well, like I say, I'm, time seems to be speeding up. Uh, you know, there are more events per unit of time, increasing exponentially. Mm. I expect to see a new world in the next ten or twenty
1: years. You know, well, yeah. hopefully, hopefully, it'll be a new. Well, maybe it will be a new world without any of our participation. So,
0: well, like I say, I see Earth as a living organism, and it mm. seems to me it's probably very healthy. I mean, it look when a caterpillar turns into a butterfly, it looks it's a messy process, and a lot of caterpillar cells die. Mm. You know, And if you'd never seen the process and you had a nice pet caterpillar, you'd probably get desperate, thinking this damn caterpillar is dying. But it's not dying. It's just going through a metamorphosis to its next phase, and that's the, the analogy I use for Earth. I mean, I don't believe that. I don't know that that's true, but it's, it's the most useful story that I can come up with. That Earth is healthy. It's just going, we've been through mass extinctions before. We're in the middle of another one. It's probably going to lead us to the next step forward. And that's just the story I uh, choose to operate on. Very good, Heron. It's been a pleasure catching up. We need to do this yeah. in two years' time. Yes, yeah. Let's do it again in two years. <laughs> I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Okay, bye.